In this episode, we tell the money story of a beautiful couple, founding pastor of Nashville Life Church, Pastor Alvin Love II, and his lovely wife, who also happens to be the most decorated gospel singer of all time. 15-time Grammy winner, CeCe Winans. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get some money. From New Money, New Problems, it's the New Money, New Problems podcast. A show for successful professionals searching for the tools they need to navigate financial opportunities and obstacles they've never seen. Negotiating compensation. Purchasing your first investment property. Helping your family with money. The highs and lows of entrepreneurship. New Money brings new problems that require new solutions. Join us as we work through them together. I'm Brenton Harrison, and this is the New Money, New Problems podcast. Hello, this is Brenton Harrison. I am your host of the New Money, New Problems podcast, where we believe that new money leads to new problems that require new solutions. I am so excited for the episode that we have in store for you today. This is a couple uh, that has been very gracious to me over the years, been very kind. Their entire family is very kind, but they also have done some really, really cool things. So I'm going to introduce them and then I'm going to bring them on. I'm going to start with Pastor Alvin Love. Pastor Alvin Love II is the third of four siblings born to Alvin and Rose Ann Love of Detroit, Michigan. He attended Western Michigan University, where after two years, he joined the U.S. Navy, obtaining an associate degree in engineering. After serving for six years as a naval electronic technician, he left to join Xerox Corporation, serving in a variety of roles until 1995, when he began to travel the world with his wife, Cece Winans. His time with her gave him a love for God and his people that led to his accepting the call in 2012 to become the founding pastor of Nashville Life Church. I, I, I can't call you Alvin, Nick, and I stick with Pastor Alvin. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> Thank you for joining the New Money, New Problems podcast. And now I will introduce your lovely wife. Cece Winans, who I also know as Pastor Cece, is one of, if not the, most decorated musical artists of all time. She is the recipient of 12 Grammy Awards, 20 Dove Awards, and seven Stellar Awards. She's been inducted into the Gospel Music Hall of Fame, the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and the Nashville Music City Walk of Fame, in addition to being named a Trailblazer of Soul by BMI and garnering multiple NAACP Image Awards, Soul Train Awards, Essence Awards, and more. She sold in excess of 5 million albums in the U.S. And most important to this podcast, she was one of the defining voices of my childhood car rides wherever we were going. (laughs) Thank you for joining the New Money, New Problems podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And I'm so (laughs) glad your mom let me be a part of the car ride. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If if, if it wasn't you or Brooklyn Tab, the the stereo was just off. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Love them. I was in great company with them. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you both for joining us. I know we're going to have an interesting conversation because you two are interesting people. And I'm interested to know when I reached out and said, I want to have a conversation. And it's not as much about the career as much as it is the relationship with money associated with the career. Did you have any initial thoughts? What is he talking about? Like, how has that process gone? (laughs) Well, actually, 
talking about money is probably one of my favorite things to talk about. Maybe not in the depths of what you're used to talking about it, but because we knew you, it wasn't that far-fetched. It was like, okay, <laughs> let's do this. So we're glad to be here, but I, I didn't have any initial thoughts against it or or. Well, I, I, think, I think it fits in perfectly with where we are as a, as a couple and as a family because we're more conscious of our finances and, and how we can best utilize it and how we can best uh, protect it going forward, you know, than we have before. So I think it's a perfect time to talk about where we've been and where we're going and where, you know, and all those things in between. Mm-hmm. And hopefully this podcast will help somebody to understand the importance of money. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's go back to the, the origin stories. You know, one of the, the first things I'm interested in is when you bring people together from two different households, they bring two different perspectives as it relates to money. So the first question I have for you all is for each of you, when was the first time in your life that you recognized the power of money, a lack of money? What was your first exposure to the subject of money? I guess if I go back to childhood, you know, in our home, you know, we didn't have a lot. We didn't have a lot. But one one thing I can say about my parents, and I think it just carried on in my heart and in my siblings' heart, we knew money was necessary, but we knew life was filled with things that were much more important, if that makes sense. The importance of money was never really taught we just saw that of course if you don't have money you can't pay your bills and if you don't have money you you can't have a, a lavish lifestyle you know but but we were always blessed as in the Winans household to have what we needed and we were always very grateful for that but we saw how our parents worked really hard to to have the money to take care of all of us so that was probably my first understanding of wow they they really work hard for money but but thank God they always supplied us with what we needed, if that makes Absolutely. sense. Absolutely. My household in Detroit, we didn't have a lot of money going to school, you know, inner city of Detroit, you know, we, we got by, you know, we never went without food or clothing or shelter. But money wasn't really discussed a lot in our house. Mm-hmm. I think that probably is common with a lot of black folks, I think, from what I've gathered from friends that I know and what I see. I, I think if we had a lot of money, I think you hear there's more talk on it because you protect <laughs> it. But when you don't really have a lot of it, it's just, you know, they're living check by check. You know, I didn't really become conscious of it because I went into the service. And in the service, you really don't have much need for money because they take care of everything. Your food was covered. Your shelter was covered. You know, you had insurance, you had medical. And so the money that we made just went into the bank. And it wasn't a lot of it, but because we had Uncle Sam who took care of us. It wasn't until I guess I got saved in 80, 1982 that I really started to become more conscious of money because I started tithing. And then I realized how important it is to give back to God what he has given me. So that's kind of where my understanding of money really flowed, flowed from. That's shopping until then. That's interesting. So you 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 equate kind of your introduction to financial literacy with you finding Christ. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. That's powerful. That's powerful. Because without it, you know, you're just living for yourself. You know, as long as I had, I was single. So as long as I had what I needed, I didn't think about the future or 
you know, or other people, or other people, much, as long right. as I was covered for what I needed. And that's the selfish attitude, you know, that we have when we, before we, before we have Christ. Right. <laughs> as long as I'm good, I'm good, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but being married and joined, getting saved, yeah, that changed, changed everything. You know, I was having a conversation with a friend and, you know, obviously there's various belief systems and, and they have different rules, suggestions on giving back to the body. I was talking to a friend of mine who is a generous tither. And we were saying that in some ways, tithing is a budgeting exercise where you, you are trying to figure out how do I take care of this part first, put it right. to the side and manage with what's left. So that's very insightful. You, you, you said something, you said you, you talked about Christ. You also talk about when you were single and at some point in time, you were no longer single. So how did you all meet? <laughs> we met in a bowling alley, actually. It was a youth, it was a youth outing in Detroit, Michigan. I was living in Charlotte, came home to visit, and Alvin was there. And we met there. But then really at our church when we started talking a little bit. Mm -hmm. We went to this, he had joined the church, my home church. And so bowling alley, then at church. That's how we met. <laughs> <laughs> very nice, very nice. And early in your relationship, I know at one point you were both on the road together, but was that the case from the beginning of your marriage? No, Alvin worked for Xerox uh, sales. He was in sales and and I sang and it wasn't until what year did you start traveling with 1995. me? 1995 and you had been at Xerox for how many years? 19. 19 years? Okay. And so then he came out on the road with me because up until that time I was traveling with my brother, Bibi. So when we knew we were going to start doing solo projects, I felt like I needed somebody to be with me. You know, Bibi was always with me. So I was taken care of. And he wanted, he understood that somebody needed to be with me as well. He wasn't happy about coming off his job because he'd always worked, always been the, the breadwinner. And, and so when I asked him, I knew it, was, it would have to be something that the Lord would have to do in his heart for him to say, okay. And so he hesitated for a little bit and then he decided to, to go for it. It's funny because we're talking about money. You know, this was a part of my career at Xerox where I went from being a service technician to sales. Mm -hmm. And it's not a really... Uh, doing well in sales to a point where she asked me to come, come off my job when I was at the peak of my performance. And so I was like, you want me to come off now? You know? <laughs> but it was, it was ironic that God chose that time because he made me realize that it was going forward that he had me, had my head, my had me looking at and not looking at the past or the current. Situation. Yeah. How, how long, did those conversations last? I would like to say that that I have no pride wrapped up in the money that I earn, the things that I can purchase. Uh, but there is some element of human nature, you know, and and there there are conversations that if I describe it five years after the conversation with my wife, it was a conversation, but in the moment, it was an argument. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I don't think it lasts that long. I mean, I asked him, and he took a minute. And then he called me one day and was like, okay, I'm ready to do it. So I was like, okay, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think everything happened so fast because, I mean, when she decided to go solo, it wasn't something that really was planned. Well, we had BB and it was a yeah, contract, we, but we didn't plan at that point. We right. said, well, I wasn't aware of it until she said, I want you to come go out on the road with me. But it made sense because, like she said, she was traveling with her brother 
And she said, well, I need you to come out with me. I didn't think about what God had planned for the future. I was just looking at right now. I'm doing well at Xerox. I wasn't looking forward to leaving, but I knew that this was something that I needed to do and, and to travel with her. So it just worked out that way. You know. Yeah, I don't remember it taking that long. It wasn't a long conversation, though. We didn't have... So we, I knew it was something that God had to speak to him on, and he did. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, to me, I, I think that's very interesting. And when I talk to people who are in the music industry or travel frequently, at some point in time with this the travel and trying to navigate money, you, you have to bring people you trust into that's the equation to manage it, to report to you on what's going on. What has that been like as you've navigated success? Wow. Great question. We have been blessed. Let me see. I did it for quite a few years without a business manager. I shouldn't say quite a few years, but a few years. Let's just say a few years where we handled everything ourselves. And then when we, we came to Nashville in 89, I understood in order to go forward properly and to make sure everything was taken care of that a business manager was needed. And so we've had a business manager probably since about that time, 89, 90. And so it was, it was, it was wonderful. <laughs> it, it was wonderful. I mean, for several reasons, when we were both traveling, I mean, just, just the simple things of paying your bills and making sure your taxes are paid on time because when you're traveling, that's what you're focused on. You're just traveling, you right. know, and unfortunately, a lot of times you don't think about a lot of things you should think about because you're just, you're just so into the grind of doing what you do. So, so having a business manager was, was life-changing for us both. And at first it was funny because I remember when we first started talking about having Mr. Kirk Martin was his name of Martin and Associates. We love him. He's no longer with us. He's gone on to, to be with the Lord. but was very, again, you know, like, I, I, can, I can handle our own bills. I've always done this. I've done this and I've done that. And I'm like, okay, okay. And then finally, <laughs> he went from that extreme to, I don't want to see nothing. Just send everything over to <laughs> I didn't realize how many different irons in the fire, you know, financially that was involved with her, you know, because she had to pay her, her, her band, her singers, singers, promoters, and I mean, everything that she did, I just took for granted that that was handled, not realizing that somebody had to do that. Absolutely. And when it falls in your lap, you know, <laughs> looking for the checks on time, you know, it became more than I, I, you know, I had the knowledge of. So we had to definitely get a, a professional company to come in and handle all those things. This is the New Money, New Problems podcast, a show for successful professionals searching for the tools they need to navigate financial opportunities and obstacles they've never seen. We'll be right back. Are you wondering what new money problems you might be overlooking in your financial life? If so, we've got great news. We've crafted the New Money, New Problems Gap Finder to identify potential weaknesses in your finances in areas ranging from budgeting, investments, insurance, and even the threat your extended family's finances could pose to your household. Please head to newmoneynewproblems.com slash gap finder to complete it today. Again, that's newmoneynewproblems.com slash gap finder to take the assessment. 
You're listening to the New Money, New Problems podcast. Subscribe now at newmoneynewproblems.com. Welcome back. Well, you know, I, I am very intrigued. I can tell you that for myself, one of the biggest challenges of entrepreneurship has been determining my worth and determining what I'm going to pay others. And it is different if you're working and there's difficulties in both. But if you're working for someone and you're negotiating a salary, there's a range. You know, you can say you're worth a million if they're only paying, you know, a hundred thousand for the job. We got to meet somewhere in the middle. When you are an entrepreneur, it's really a matter of you deciding what you feel you're worth. How have you navigated that? Has that been difficult? Have you played the primary role in setting your appearance fees and things of that nature? Or have you used counsel? Definitely use counsel. I mean, when you're in the industry, there is there there are ranges. You know, you have some who make a lot more than you, but for what we do, you can definitely there there are ranges. You're dealing with promoters. It changes on if it's a, a church or a theater or if it's tickets or if it's a love offering. It, it's just, it just comes different ways, you know. So, and, and a lot of times as, as ministers of the gospel, even though that's my career too, we a lot of times we don't charge anything, you know. We go. It depends on what it is, if it's a certain benefit, you know, or nonprofit. So, so serving is always a part of it. But also when it's a ticketed event or if it's a television, you know, you have a range there. Television shows pay so much. So it's not just me saying, oh, I'm worth this and I'm going to charge this. I've never had to do that. Okay. That sense. It does. It does. And you, you talked about engagements that you do for free. I know that both of you have serious demands on your time, which is partly why I'm so grateful that you decided to join us. <laughs> Even beyond money, when you discuss just time and the number of people making requests of it, have you come to an agreement on how you process what you say yes to and what you say no to? Is it gut feeling? How do you even navigate the schedules that you maintain on a daily basis? Wow, that's a good question. I think, let me say this. I don't know if this is an answer to your question, but with Cece, if someone says, you know, I want you to come and and I want you to just kind of greet our people and maybe say hello, sing a song. They don't realize that they're taking away a day, you know? And so I think with her, it has to be something that has to make sense for that day. Because when you block off a day to do something like that, you're also eliminating a possibility of a performance coming in, you know? So a lot of times you got to navigate, do I want to block this date in for something that's maybe gratis or something, maybe a love offering opposed to a promoter coming in with a, a paying date, you know. Also, she has to factor in that she has singers and band people who are dependent upon her making money so that they can make money. Because if you don't keep those guys busy and girls busy, they're going to be with somebody else. You know what I'm saying? So we have to factor. That's more than just me. Yeah. So she's, she's, a, she's a business in herself because of the number of people who are on the downstream of her income, you know. So people don't realize that when they call for CC, they're calling for 14 people. They're calling for a road manager. They're calling for a sound technician. They're calling for five band members, three singers, a manager, a booking agent, are all in that fee. So they say, wow, she goes for that much? Well, we got to pay a lot out of that. (laughs) 
<laughs> what is the conversation when someone truly doesn't understand? Is it as simple as, well, thank you for asking, but we're not going to be able to do this? <laughs> yeah. well, well, the thing is, we have people who, who talk, take we don't, those we calls. Don't, we don't take those calls. You know, else talks. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's people that I talk to who are friends of mine. And, and if I can make something, and a lot of times I want to make it, then then I'll try to make it. But to your to your question, it's something that you, you always evaluate. It's not just a straight formula for it um because again we 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 are people of god and we're people of faith and so being spirit-led is a huge part of what i accept and what i don't accept but also looking at my time being a wife being a mother being a grandmother and we have a church so i you know it's 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 changed over the years, you know. Now I'm 57 years old. When I started out doing this, I was I was about 18, you know. So I don't even want to be on the road that much. So now it's like I don't even want to leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's becoming very very more specific in in me leaving out because it's wear and tear on the body as well. So I'm in a stage now where I'm reevaluating. I'm going on a tour coming up. I haven't toured in years. So I'm going to see, you know, how many shows I can do. You know, the, the promoters can come and say, hey, can you do four shows in a row? I'm like, absolutely not. I used to be able to do that. But now you have to reevaluate that. So it's something that year to year, I kind of have to look at and say, you know, have we spent enough time together as a married couple? You know, the kids are grown now. So like I said, now it's my grandbaby, you know. So, so different things I would do to, to say, okay, I'll be out on the road these many days, or I'll go overseas for this amount of time and that's it. Then I got to be back, you know? So it's just a ongoing yeah. reevaluation, balancing right. act. <laughs> you know, you, you, you brought up that balancing act and you mentioned the church and that was where I was headed next. Okay. Um, so the church started in 2012, or you, you became senior pastor in 2012. Tell, tell me about that, because if I read your bio, let's say I'm not having the conversation, I read the bio as it looks like, one was on the road, I joined, now we're coming off the road, we're gonna do this church. And I mean, everyone I know who attends your church and just people who know you talks about how spirit-led you are, uh, how much they enjoy the church. What led to you accepting that call? God, I, I, God made it very plain that that's what I mean, we were supposed to I do. I guess the long or the shorter story sure, is back, right. if you go back to 95, is the first time that I it was prophesied that I was going to be a pastor. Um, but it didn't move me because I did not accept that and I knew that wasn't going to happen. Um, <laughs> but as time went on from 95 until 2012, we must have had several people who would come up to us. Some several people, prophecies. Some people we some knew, words. some we didn't know who would come up to us and bring up our church. And I kept saying, well, why do you bring up a church? We don't have a church. And they would say, well, you know, you will have one soon. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, we started getting those kind of comments and feedback. And so in 2012, my son was really the reason why the church started, because he had gone to Australia. He found the Lord, came back home after about a year and was really motivated to share the gospel, share the gospel with his friends. Yeah. And he taking people to his house and it got so many people that he started to ask them can they come to our house and that turned out to be 40 people who came to our house in november of 2011 
which carried over to March of 2012, where we had 80 people come into our house. And so we knew the prophecy had gone forth over me. The people were in my His living room. His eyes were open. The living room, <laughs> people were in my living room. The lady who was conducting the services asked how many people didn't have a church home. And about 40 hands went up. And she said, if you guys are interested in starting a church, come, come back to the house next week. And we're going to start a church. And that's what happened. Oh, wow. Yeah. And now that church has grown. You're no longer worshiping in your house. Three months. Yeah. 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 It's been a great journey, but yeah, that's the way it happened. It was something that was not on our radar. Nothing we ever desired. We love, we've always been, I, I grew up in church. Alvin got saved later on in life, but still he was a part of a church and so have been blessed with great pastors and great people. I have nothing but fond memories of church and but but just never thought that was our call and and it was very clear that god had different plans for us and 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 for our son for our family to to start a ministry in in making disciples i've always i've been in ministry for years but being in ministry on the road and being in ministry at a local church is two different things yeah, <laughs> in so many ways but it's but it's amazing now that you're in a different phase, you're not traveling as much. You have the church. Your son, Alvin, is now senior pastor of that church. When, when it relates to your spiritual life, your financial life, and the things that you're most looking forward to now, where do you find yourself? What are you focused on in that area? You know, when you, when you say finances, to me, I've always, both Albert and I have always been very unconcerned about money in a way. I mean, we, we're both very simple people. We're, we don't have to have a lot. You know, we're, we understand the beauty in just having a great marriage, having peace in our home, having food to eat, you know, and and having the Lord in our lives, you know. But but it's been several years now that we our focus on money has changed because we want to give more. Yeah. Yeah. We really want to. We, we've seen the beauty in giving to be able to be generous in our giving has really been the thing to motivate us to get our finances in order. So, so I would say giving first, and then we had our grandchild. And then the scripture comes to say, leaves a heritage for your children's children. It's like, oh, we got to get things in order. <laughs> so that, that so that's, that's, that's the greatest motivation. That reminds me of a story of our previous business manager, Kirk Martin. He thought that if we gave money to anybody, he, he would consider that tithe. And so when we started telling him, you know, when some of the Checks become larger, started coming in. And we said, Kurt, we got we to gotta pay 10%. He said, well, didn't you give so-and-so some money? And didn't you give that? You know? <laughs> so we had to really educate him. Oh, on. yeah, don't play with my dad. Yeah. <laughs> we had to educate him because, you know, he he didn't quite understand tithing. At least, at least, at least he didn't, from our understanding, he didn't. Yeah. And so we had some good conversations with Yeah, Kurt. it was awesome. Yeah. We had to keep our eye on our, <laughs> on our movie as it was going, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I admire you using money as a tool rather than something that you're worshiping. If you were to describe the ideal world of 
we're giving to the causes that we enjoy, we're traveling. What what does that look like? What what makes you fulfilled? Is it a specific cause? Is it just the ability to give in its entirety? It's the ability yeah. to give. It's the ability to be led or to to see a need and be able to write a check for it or and it's just not money, you know, giving we, we're talking about finances today, but when you have a generous heart and a, and God begins to deal with time, you, treasure, your, it's your time, it's your treasure, it's it's your, uh, what's the third one? Your talent, talent. everything you have is, is, we're stewards over what God has given us, you know, and, and to be able to give, I think, for me, we have different causes, of course, that we love. We love the local church. We love all the organizations that are doing something to be a blessing to people. I love world vision, compassion. There's a lot of people that we give to. But so I think it's just the ability to be able to. Yeah. Without without batting an eye, you know, don't have to think about it. I understand. I understand. Well I want to make sure I'm respectful of your time. So I'm gonna hit you with some some quick hitting questions. Okay. Maybe they won't be quick answers, but we'll see. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right. So I want to ask you all a question separately. What is one financial trait that you would like, that you, a behavior that you exhibit, something that you do well in financially that you would like to pass on to your next generation? That's easy. I think just that, like you said, giving, the understanding and the principle of giving is something that, you know, we both are strongly, people are strongly about, and we have seen the, the blessings that come from it. So, so I would definitely friend. say, if I was to tell anybody right now about their finance, I said, make sure you give. Okay. If there was one financial behavior that you could leave on the shelf and make sure that they don't get, <laughs> do you have any of those? Yeah. I mean, they, I think we, I, and when we look back over our lives, we should have cared about it sooner, you know? Savings, yeah, savings. Savings is something that we weren't great at, you know. Even though, and that's the thing. A lot of times we feel, at least I shouldn't say we. I can say we talking about me and you, but a lot of times we feel that it's not necessary because you have everything you need. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But but those disciplines that we have in place now, we definitely should have had them in place earlier. Because we would have more, we would have more to more to give, more to leave whenever it's our time to go, you know. And uh, I don't know if I'm answering this question right, but basically, the way we've handled savings in the past, we don't want them to take that. We right. no, okay. we want to do better. Hey, how you say pay yourself? <laughs> pay yourself. Yeah. Pay yourself. I guess they say pay yourself first, but pay yourself after the Lord. Pay yourself after second. No, you can do the Lord first. <laughs> Okay, last question. You all have both attained a, a high level of success in your industries and your faith. If you were talking to someone in any industry at the start of their career, regardless of their career of choice, what advice would you give them? Easy. And that that would be, I mean, I could give them a lot of advice, but if it's one, your relationship with the Lord matters. Mm -hmm. It has made all the difference in the world in my life, not because I sing gospel music. It's made all the difference in the world in my life, in my marriage, with my children, all my relationships, with, with my success. Being in him brings you good success. The Bible says that 
if you meditate on the word day and night, he talks about how you will have good success. You know, don't let the word of God depart from your mouth because you, I know a lot of successful people from the world standards that don't have peace. Mm-hmm. They don't have, they, they don't have those things that money can't buy, right. you know, mm-hmm. and my relationship with the Lord has enriched my life in so many ways that money cannot buy. Not to That's say the same thing that Cece said, but we talked. We were talking to Marcus yesterday, and we found out that budgeting is something that we had never done very much of. It's almost like we had what we needed, you know, and we just moved on, but never sat down and really said, "Okay, we're going to put this aside for this and this aside for that," and really start categorizing where we want to put our money, except for tithing. We didn't talk about savings very much, but we tied and then we made sure we had paid our bills. And what was left over was just left not over. investing, not, yeah. not allowing your money yeah. to really work for you. And so, yeah, that's another thing. We found out that your money could be working 24 seven, you know, and that's what people don't realize is that money is it's a tool, is a like tool. you said earlier. It's a tool that can take care of you and it can take care of your next generation. And the Bible says, and put away for your children's children, you know. And that's something that I think we didn't really grow up with that kind of concept in our homes as we should. You know, right. it was almost like, do I have enough of myself and let our kids take care of themselves? But that's not God. God says that we're supposed to leave an inheritance for our children's children. Yeah. And so for us, we were fortunate that our children, well, our two kids didn't have tuition aid. You know, we pay for their schooling. We pay for their private schools. And so now they're benefiting because yeah. they don't have to put aside money they to pay the for their student yeah, loans, student stuff, loans right, to pay for right. it. And I told my son many times, I said, ask how many of your friends here. <laughs> and he said, dad, well, you're right. Because most of them have tuition yeah, that you're paying for. Yeah. So that was one thing that we did with our children to make sure that they can carry on to that same to their children. You know, what we put into them, they can carry that forward. You know. But your main thing was budgeting. Budgeting, right. Budgeting and, and investing. Yeah. Well, those are wise words, and that's how we'll end it. I appreciate you all. I appreciate your time, your talents, and I appreciate you being guests on the New Money, New Problems podcast. Thank well, you. Awesome. We're honored to be here. Thank you so much for having much us. Much success to you too, Brenton. Thank you. Thank you. From New Money, New Problems, this was the New Money, New Problems podcast a show for successful professionals searching for the tools they need to navigate financial opportunities and obstacles they've never seen. 